What's up, socialite, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Before I get started on this episode, I just wanted to apologize for not putting out an episode last week. I got super jammed at Blue Light Media, and I decided to focus my time and attention over at the agency before putting out the show. And by the time I got the episode over to Nick, my buddy over at Mike Me Audio, who makes this podcast sound so amazing, did the intro, uh, helps me produce it, the whole thing, uh, it was too late. And we decided that, you know, we'll just wait till this week to release the episode because we wanted to make sure that it was released properly instead of rushed because you guys definitely deserve the best from us. Um, Speaking of which, I was actually curious as to whether or not you care if the podcast comes out on Thursdays and if it's just one. I was playing around with the idea of uh, releasing multiple episodes during the week just sporadically whenever I came across them um, or changing up the day that they're released. So please let me know. And in addition to that, I would love to know whether uh, you want to focus this year on business and marketing and branding, those types of topics, or if you'd prefer focusing on the hometown heroes and their inspirational stories. Of course, we can do both, but I want to be able to give you something that you can expect, right? And I definitely care about your opinion. So please let me know on Instagram. Instagram at Mick, M-I-Q-K. Just shoot me over a DM. Let me know what you prefer. But anyways, on to this week's episode. It's actually pulled from the Beyond Influential podcast hosted by my good friend, Brittany Crystal. Um, if you don't know Brittany by now, she is a Gary V. Allen, a personal branding expert. She's released the LinkedIn Laws, a digital course that's crushing it right now. She's a lawyer and you know, all things excellent when it comes to digital and social media branding. Um, But she had me on her show to talk about the origin stories of Blue Light Media and how that was started. And I actually think that this podcast is excellent for anybody who feels like they might, you know, have lost some, they might have lost some clarity in their career path or they're in a transition right now of any kind when it comes to their career. Uh, Because I know a little bit about it. Honestly, I think I can empathize. I started off as a nurse, um, played poker professionally for three years, ended up doing telemarketing sales before I started my first company and then started another company, which is now Blue Light Media. So I think there's a lot uh, of value in this episode. I definitely loved being on Britney's podcast and it's actually part one of two. The, uh, the conversation was so long that we had to break it up into two episodes. So this is part one of two, uh, part two will be released next week, but before I speak too much, let's get onto the show. Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. Okay, guys, I'm here with Mikhail Alphon, and normally Mikhail is interviewing me, and today I'm taking control of that conversation (laughs) (laughs) because I want to be the one interviewing him. And just, I'm going to do, I'll probably talk about this on another podcast, definitely early on in, in 2019, about my vision for this podcast. And something that's super important for me going forward for the future of this podcast is having actual conversations, Mm. not just with people I respect, but having them. And we've talked about this separately and we'll let the audience in on that too. I'm not here just to pander to people. I want not only to bring value to them, but I want to have real conversations. Sure. I don't want it to be just a one-sided thing that anybody can hear anywhere. And I know you've gone through that with, with your podcast. I didn't want it to be a, I don't know, a carousel of marketers. Right. Especially because this podcast isn't necessarily about marketing. Marketing is a component to influence to some degree, but it's not 
it's not the end all be all. And some people are very influential and not great at marketing. It's true. I think that's why like Joe Rogan took off is because there's no agenda. You know what I mean? There's no like thing that he says at the end uh, or even something that he says in the beginning. It's literally like, hey, come over, let's catch up. And then they start talking. Well, just in case people don't know, so Mikhail did interview me on his podcast, but Mikhail is the co-founder and president CEO. I don't know what you want to call yourself because he gets bashful about it, of Blue Light Media, which is a very successful digital agency here in Orange County. He's really crushing it. He has a podcast called The Podcast with Mikhail Alphon. He's a public speaker, all around a great guy, good friend of mine. But we're already going into the conversation because talking about Joe Rogan, People ask me about my favorite podcasters, and for me, I love the podcast medium. There are podcasts that I listen to depending on, you know, who I like and who they're interviewing or what the topics are, but the thing that I like about Joe specifically is that he's genuinely curious. Mm -hmm. He really does have no agenda. One, I think because he's, he's, he's already got a name and he's already famous in that way, so he doesn't need to pander as much. And then he can bring in people that he's interested in. And he brings people on both sides of the aisle. Like, even if he doesn't agree with them, he brings them in not to assault them, but to genuinely have that conversation. Like, that's why he's so great. He has a three-hour-long conversation that's a real conversation. And you actually want to listen to it. Yeah, because he's... (laughs) But that's what I think the key is to a good podcast is being naturally curious. And I think if anybody has not listened to your podcast, they should take a listen. I think you're genuinely curious. I am. For me, well, I think about a lot of, I think about what I think about quite often. And then I want, I like to understand why other people think the way that they do, why they do the things that they do. And in addition to that, I really just want to not judge somebody based off of what I see on social media, uh, based off of, you know, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it might be. And I just want to ask them the questions. And before every podcast, I always ask them, is there anything that's off the table? You know what I mean? And it comes off very interviewee, but it's just like, I just want to know how people think. And I'm like that too. I'm The most important question you can ask is why. And I always mm. want to know why people do the things they do. I think just being in the marketing space, you need to know why people do the things they do and are thinking the things they think or why they're interested in certain things. Not only so you can market to them. Yes, that's a thing. But just overall everything so you can help people. You can't do anything for anybody if you can't get inside their head. (laughs) A hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, that just makes completely natural sense in that way. I just really love your interview style. You know, I'm still trying to, I'm still trying to finesse it and it helps that it's in person for me because I can, I can really feel the person that's like in front of me. I actually did an interview yesterday that was via video call. And even though I had a lot of context on this person and I would almost consider them a friend, like it still felt awkward and weird. It's just the energy is not transferred in a screen. You know what I mean? So having them in person definitely makes it a lot easier. So we're going to go back and talk about your business and actually give (laughs) background and context on you. But something interesting about your podcast, can you tell everybody why you decided to switch into only in person and kind of what your theme is now? Because you've had different iterations. Sure. Um, Honestly, a lot of the inspiration of me just wanting to do it in person was based off of Joe Rogan, to be honest. And then also, I didn't want to just have the entrepreneurs, the marketers, the personal branding experts. And I personally got tired of it. 
you know, I'm in my agency basically all the time, except for the hour and a half to two hours I have for the podcast interviews that I do. And so I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about why somebody went through a breakup in their relationship because they were working so hard. I want to talk about, you know, I'm having, is it a renologist? Renal, a renal doctor? Oh, for a re- for like I think a I know kidney? what you're talking about. Yeah. kidneys. I'm like, renal failure has or to do with kidneys. Or a urologist. I believe a urologist does the kidneys and the bladder and everything over there. So like, that's the thing. So urologist, yeah, focuses on the urinary tract system and male reproductive organs. I Googled that. This is like Joe Rogan right now. Right, exactly. not. <laughs> so I'm having him on because, you know, I want to talk about CBD. I want to talk about, you know, um, all of these different diets that are going around, plant-based versus, you know, animal products. Like these are things that I'm actually curious about that I think normal humans are care- uh, curious about. So I kind of wanted to get away a little bit from like the business stuff and the marketing stuff. Um, it started off, 18 months ago, almost as a day in the life. And then I just realized that it's hard for me to like wrap that in. And I didn't want to be stuck in, I just didn't want to be stuck in a bubble. So I named it the podcast for two reasons. One, I don't know. I thought that it would be okay to search, like just search for the podcast by Mikhail Alphon, right? However, the other part of that is like, I got real lazy and trying to figure out a name for it. And I've been trying, I asked you the other day, I was like, what should I name it? Knowing you, I liked how open-ended the podcast was. I mean, it's awful for search because everything's, you know, whatever podcast. But the podcast, I feel like, embodies more of who you are because I saw you go through a day in the life and I saw you kind of go through the iterations where, like, I never get tired of talking about business. And when we talk, I don't think we ever get tired of talking to each other about business. Mm -hmm. But something you said earlier that I'm already bringing it back to is how you don't judge people people ahead of time. Like oh, actually sometimes I do judge people ahead of time. <laughs> I a hundred percent do. I see somebody like I see their Instagram posts. I then I'll look them up on Twitter and do this. I'll judge them. Honestly, I think everybody does to a certain extent. Well I, I think that's the whole thing with personal branding and yeah. telling people that you can control that image. Not that you want to necessarily sure. crazily PR yourself, but whether that's attracting or repelling them you are attracting and repelling people. Right. So you should be conscious of who it is and that that's actually the people you're interested in attracting and repelling. Right. The people that I feel as if I don't like their content, let's not talk about yeah. them, their content and how they've branded themselves online. I'm even more curious to interview them because I want to figure out where did this come from? You know what I mean? I'm, we've had a bazillion conversations about like the blanket work harder <laughs> The hustle inspirational, porn. yeah, the hustle porn, inspirational quotes and stuff like that. And I think that, um, I mean, it's cool, but it's like, what? Do you, I, I don't, like, what I do don't understand about? it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I get, I understand what you're saying with the judgment, and I mean, to some extent, yes, I do prejudge. Mm-hmm. But for me, I guess judging who I bring on this podcast, it needs to be someone who has a different perspective. Everyone has a different perspective, but there are some people who really don't have the backing on their perspective or just kind of regurgitating the same things other people say. Mm -hmm. What makes people different is the element that they bring to the table. And if I don't even see that in their content or nobody's vouched for them and like, I don't want to interview those people. Why would I want, it's like anything. Why would I want to have a conversation with someone I wouldn't ever want to have a conversation with? Sure. Let me, let me change out judging because that sounds really harsh with making conclusions before like actually understanding the context. Prejudging. Prejudging. I'm not judging somebody's character all the time, uh, but but so that's the problem. That's what you're talking about. Is like look, like there's no there's no context to the content that they're putting out. It's like cool. You should 
What was one that I saw recently? It's like, you really got to get over your anxiety. That's the number one key. Cool. It's like, yeah, what's that mean? Like, yeah. what's your context for the anxiety? Yeah, what does that mean? Why should I... What kind of anxiety? And what does anxiety even mean to you? Because anxiety is probably different. It's not probably. It's different for every single person. Yeah, and that's the biggest one. What does you're right? What does it mean to you? Why are you even saying that right now? I don't understand. So, anyways, I like to understand why people say things. And and also to a point that you made earlier, I don't only want to interview people that I agree with. That's not interesting to me at all. I need to have those different points of view and people who do different things. I, did, I wouldn't want this to just be a show where I interview people who do the exact same type of thing I do. I wonder what we disagree on. What do we disagree on? I think, I feel like I'm somebody who you wouldn't think is easygoing, but I feel like I'm actually easygoing. Well, I work me, hard, but I'm like, yeah. I just, I don't judge people. Like, and this is, this is true when I talk with like branding clients or whoever. I don't give a fuck what you want. Yeah. Like whatever you want in on this world, like let's assume that you're not hurting anybody, but let's say like you want to grow your brand because you want X amount of money and you want X amount of women or whatever. Like I'm not here to judge you. Yeah. I don't care. I'm here to help you get what you want. Sure. And so I always just remove myself. Like it's not my place. I'm not here. I'm not interested in your religion. I don't care about any right. of that. Ultimately, what I want to do is give people what they want and help them achieve what they want. That's what makes me happiest. That's what I've realized makes me happiest. But I've never, I guess I just have never, I've just never judged in that way. Yeah. I I think one of the more recent ones that I had was like Cardi B, like two years ago or a year Mm -hmm. and a half ago. And I was like, why is she like this? I never watched, she was on a show, like, right? Yeah. I know that you love hip hop. Yeah, I love and yeah. hip hop, whatever it was. So I didn't know her from there. All I knew was like some of her Instagram. Then Bodak Yellow came out, which I didn't think was good at the time. Um, this it's whole not thing. my favorite Cardi B, but I love Cardi B. I love Cardi B. And so now at first I was like, what is going on here? What is this? And then I would saw some of the interviews. I'm like, she's like out of her mind. And then I saw, and then I looked deeper like into her backstory and her biography, like all this stuff. I was like, man, like you actually grew up really in a tough situation, I think out in Brooklyn or something like that with a half- From the Bronx. From the Bronx. Okay. With a, with like, what was it? Half Puerto Rican, half yeah. something else. And I'm just like, She's all right. gang. The whole thing makes sense now. And now that I took the time to understand that, like that initial, like, eh, like rub me the wrong way type of thing. Like now I, I, I love her. Like I really enjoy Cardi B. <laughs> yeah. I, so I'm going to make a blog post related to and probably a podcast episode on it. The top personal brands that I've seen, not only for men or women, just in general, Cardi B is hands down top of the list. <laughs> and the reason is because she is, it's not a shtick. She is who she is. Like I was watching her on a live the other day and she was doing it in Spanish and it was just, it's her. And I have the context now on who she is. And, and I picked that up earlier when I was starting to become a fan of hers, just in general. She has a lyric that's something like, real bitch, the only thing fake is the boobs. But she talks about it. She admits to it. Yeah. That's that's like her. She is who she is all the time. And people love it. And she's like, I love being a stripper. Like, that, that's <laughs> that's her thing. Like, she's not, it's, she's not like, oh, it'd be really cool if people thought I like stripping. She loved being a stripper. And then she tells a story about it. And then everyone was shocked when she knew about history. It's like, oh, because she's just... She's a person. So what? She likes history. She was probably a decent student. Yeah. It's just a surprise for people. And and now we're in a time where where that's so bizarrely refreshing that it's like you can't not gravitate toward her. Right. 
And I was talking about this. I don't know if this was on another episode, but I don't care if I repeat myself. It's my show. Um, <laughs> the thing that like a Marie does and like Gary, people ask me like, oh, what do they do that's, that's different or special? And it's not a routine. It's not anything. People are attracted to them. You don't mm. want to second rate them. They're, they're them. It has nothing to do with their, yes, morning routines are important. All of these different things are important and help optimize your life. But the reason, aside from their expertise, that people are gravitating to them has to do with them and has yeah. to do with your attraction to them. Yeah. You told me that because I was struggling with being the, the agency under social media. You yelled at me. <laughs> the social media person that also has like the... Uh, like I like the motivational stuff. But you or are genuinely like I'm going to cut you off already. Um, <laughs> are you going to yell at me on your podcast? Yeah, I am. So, <laughs> so, so Mikhail does own a digital agency, and I I understand Mikhail's also has consumed Gary's content for a while. That's how we met. But we've talked about how different it is. I've had other agency owners come to me in their different iterations, and they just don't want to be perceived as somebody who is copying Gary at all. Like they don't want to even, mm. some people aren't, you know, they're CEOs, but they're not extroverted or whatever you want to call it. And it's like, I immediately always say like, one, you're not going to be Gary. Two, you don't have to be. Like you're not ever going to be. Like you don't want to second rate Gary anyway. But for you, like, I know you like posting the motivational content, but I was, I'm going to call you out and couldn't call Alex out. Uh, Mikhail's girlfriend was talking to me. You are so ridiculously naturally positive. <laughs> like, it's not a shtick. You are, like, I don't even know how to explain to people how positive you are. She, uh, what'd she say to me? We are at your apartment. And she was trying to say that she was frustrated about something. And she was just, she just wanted to get the story out. Mm -hmm. But you were already, like, cutting off whatever kind of negative story it was to, like, put a positive spin on it before she even finished the story. Women like to sometimes just finish the story. Sure. And then you can give your positive spin. She was like, you're being such a mick right now. See? So you know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about. And I haven't gotten to tell you to your face. But if you ever try to do that to me, I'm going to call you. A, like, being a mick is being somebody who's <laughs> overly positive almost. Yeah. <laughs> And it's real close to so, dick. Yes. <laughs> but that's not a shtick, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's who you are. So those things that you're saying are real. You know, you're not somebody who's like, oh, like this kind of motivational quote gets likes on Instagram. You're actually thinking those things and that's why it works for you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I do think I'm a pretty positive person for the most part. The What made me feel really comfortable about it though and starting to do, because if you look back now, I think I post pictures sometimes just because... I want my clients to see my face type of thing. Um, but if you look back, I mean, it's like 90% like quotes. But what made me feel good about it now is I'm, I, I'm not telling people what to do. Gary is like, here's what you do. Here's what you're doing wrong. Da, 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 da. For me, like I'm doing it from this was my experience. And I'll even say it about myself. Like even, you know, a while ago, it's like, we shouldn't judge people. I could say that or I judge people sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just something. So speaking from the experience and telling a story and from my perspective and what worked for me made me feel comfortable doing that. And I appreciate that you, you know, gave me the lecture on the fact that there's a niche for everyone. <laughs> but there, you know, it's true. And like, I eat my own dog food on that. The mm. stuff I post isn't just random. That's why those people who just post random shit that's supposed to be motivational, why it doesn't work because they don't live by it. They don't understand it. They haven't lived it at all. Sure. And it maybe works for a few likes, but it doesn't build a career. And the reason you're not in a position right now telling people, you know, what to do, like more of a Gary is because 
you're building your thing and that's your story right yeah. now, mm-hmm. but there will be a time and it's going to happen. Like I'm already going to tell you what's going to happen where people are coming to you with their stuff and then your content might take that shift, but it has nothing to do with anybody else's content or that being popular. Sure. I, and I got time, you know what I mean? I have time to do that. And I guess it is the document versus create thing. And now I'm just kind of like reflecting back on it is, what is that mindset? And what's crazy, just a little, just to like do the Mick thing for a second, it's like all that shit about like the morning routines, the meditation or like self-awareness and gratitude, like that stuff actually works. It's all real. Yeah. There's a reason why the top people in the world, Gary, Tony Robbins. It's a cliche for a reason. Yeah. But it's how, it's the delivery maybe. And the nuances of it are different. Like somebody, you don't have to, some person might need to meditate for an hour a day and that's Tim Ferriss. I don't know what his thing is an hour a day, like after the ice bath and whatever. And that's how he meditates. Whereas somebody like myself, you know, I go to a crazy spin class or something like that. And that's my meditation. You know what I mean? So all that stuff works. I went on a weird tangent. But that's why there's so many different niches. I was speaking to someone texted me today who uh, take my LinkedIn course Mm -hmm. and she, we had a different conversation completely separate. I knew she wasn't into the mindset thing, just in general, Mm -hmm. like not related to the course, just in general, we had been talking about mindset. And she was like, I don't know, like that's all woo woo stuff. And I was like, no, 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 it's not. And I explained to her my perspective. And now she, she sent me a message today and she was like, just like I thought, yeah. like I used to think it was bullshit, but this is actually like, I've been in my own way. Like she had a complete change of heart. And I know that feeling because I was ready for that this past year. And that's something I'm going to be talking about a lot more. Sometimes you need to hear it from, I needed to hear, start hearing it from someone like me. Mm. And because there is nobody specifically like, there's no one like either of us, but since there's nobody like you or me saying that kind of thing, I feel like I want to fill that void. I need to fill that void because there are people who need what I have to say and they're not going to listen to someone who's super woo-woo spiritual and they're not going to listen to somebody who is super the other direction. It just doesn't work. And so that's why I do think that there are all these like different spaces. And Just real quick, even for my own context, what is, and without giving too much of it away, what is the mindset thing that we're breaking through in your course? So mindset... I'll talk about mindset related to LinkedIn laws. Sure. I think there's mindset, there are mindset issues, I'm going to say up the ass, when it comes to branding yourself. Hmm. It's not just LinkedIn. You know, the imposter syndrome, the so-and-so says X, Y, Z. I don't know, the progress over perfection with content. All of those different things, people aren't posting content for that reason. People getting in their head about picking a lane and niching down. Everything is mindset shit. It's all mindset shit. Like at the end of the day, that's, Like I can tell you, and this is why like the one-on-ones and why like accountability and coaching ends up being super valuable, even though I don't love the terminology for that. But when it's done right by people who actually know what they're doing, because at the end of the day, if I sit down with someone who's all fucked up in the head that has all of these other issues, I can tell you what to do exactly, very specifically for a year's worth of content, grow your brand, you'll get what you want. But if you can't get over that mental barrier that Mm. you have, that you're not good enough, or what if somebody does what, or, oh, that video, like, it's not perfect. I don't want to put it out. Or maybe if you can't do that, you're not going to execute. And so it's that mental piece. So at least for going to try not to bore everyone with talking about my course for God knows how many hours, but uh, there are throughout the entire course, I put in like mindset moments where I know when I've worked with people they've had issues. Like, I just know at this point, the way you ask people why, I know where people struggle. 
And so for me, it's, it's easy on my side to be like, no, like you're giving me excuses. I don't give a fuck. Like you have to do this and you have to do this now. Right. So I can do that now in terms of my own mindset work. It is work. Like I've been reading a ton more and this interview is not supposed to be about me. But <laughs> I have, See, it's magic. Yeah, I just yeah, do the thing. I've been reading a ton more. And like for me, money mindset this year is a big thing. Mm. I can help people with branding mindset and I can help them with money and business mindset and all of these different things. But in order, just like you said, like it's posting content that you understand. In order for me to be in a position to give the advice, I need to eat my own dog food too. We should talk about your business and how you got into your business because you're advising clients and businesses and mm-hmm. and you're responsible for a big portion of budget and people trust you. And I want to know, yeah, we just made a face. Um, it's going to be, uh, I hope none of your clients are listening to this. <laughs> but I want to hear how you've been eating your own dog food in terms of what you do, what Blue Light's doing, and then what you're offering clients and how that works. Yeah. So back me up. Sure. Give background on how you, I want people to hear about you. Mick has a super interesting story, but without going down too much of a rabbit hole, how did you get to starting a digital agency? I think I have a three-minute version somewhere. I, <laughs> I, in my early 20s, I was a nurse. I was an LVN, um, LPN for anybody not in California. Um, you know, I went through some stuff with my family. Some things happened to me. I ended up losing my nursing license because of the identity theft that I had to deal with at the time. I ended up playing poker for three and a half four years almost professionally and running some home games in Orange County, that whole thing. And that's actually where I believe I learned most of my business skills. And then um, when I didn't want to do that anymore, I started working at a local SEO firm, but it was really a boiler room, very similar to like Wolf of Wall Street, the movie, The Boiler Room. I recently just realized that like the movie, The Boiler Room is actually my life, (laughs) which is kind of crazy. And then when I you know, I made the decision that I didn't want to work at that company anymore because they weren't providing anything for their clients. And this was in 2014. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a social media marketing company. This was popping up a little bit more. And I started getting really into marketing because just dealing with talking to hundreds of businesses every month, whatever it was, I was curious about it. So I started learning about it. And I was like, dude, I could do this. I could just load up a bunch of content into Hootsuite and book these clients in for $200 to $700 a month, get 25 of those clients and just let it run and I'll be rich. And it didn't go that way at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, it didn't go that way. Um, What I didn't realize and what I didn't know at the time was the whole idea of content creation. You know what I mean? Like, cool, it's easy to say I'll load up a bunch of this content but who's creating it? Anyways, later on in that year, December of, actually it was like the last week of November of that year, I was fired from that company because, you know, I started my business while I was still working. I did mm-hmm. the whole thing. You know, Gary has in his books, like, just go to work nine to five, then work till mm-hmm. one in the morning. And Not I, everyone loves that. Or sometimes you sign legal things yeah, or they, whatnot. Yeah. Luckily, California is really nice about it. But my point is, is like when I was starting, I worked at a different company and then you know, when I got home, I stopped going to the gym because I wanted to work on this thing. I was like, shit, I learned how to make a website. I learned about, you know, business Facebook and all this stuff. And I spent a long time doing that in the first couple of months. But in November of that year, I was fired from the business because I had like a quote unquote competing business. Um, and I had to start it with like no money. I had enough money to make rent that month. You know, I had a couple prospects or whatever. 
And then, you know, I was booking deals at like $600 total to build a Squarespace website, do three months of marketing or like social media marketing and do a photo shoot. 600 bucks for that. Wow. Yeah, at the time. And, you know, things have obviously changed since then. Um, But yeah, that's where it started. So I want to backtrack a little and then we'll get to that point again. With the poker... If you don't mind me asking, how how well were you making in terms of a living at that point? And how were you marketing at that time? Because you obviously need to market if you were running your own home games. Uh, yeah, actually. So there's a, there was homepokergames.com is how we were marketing okay. for one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But but then I was also going to the casinos as well. Mm-hmm. And I would like recruit people from the casinos. That's how we market it. As far as how much money I was making, I was making enough to help my mom with rent because it was just her and I at the time um, to still go out. And I had a girlfriend and I think I had a Disneyland pass. Um, But uh, I was living with my mom, you know, uh, so it wasn't like I was making a ton of money. Um, Playing poker was not the problem for me. It was, you know, I still am bad at money management, to be quite honest. So that's why I have somebody that does all the money management for us. It can make it really well. Money management, believe it or not, is a big deal in poker. <laughs> Go figure. Um, statistically, I was a little bit better than break even. I had a fifty-two percent win rate, which was great. Um, but you know, Phil Ivy at the time was actually at like fifty-two, fifty-three. But I wasn't playing at the same stakes. So if I win fifty-two, like you know, over half the time I'm playing, you know, I'm only paying, you know, 500 to $1,000 buy-in, whereas Phil Ivey is paying for millions of dollars. I was going to say, he's taking million-dollar swings. Yeah, exactly. Um, but what we're, we were really making the money was in the the home games. Like, you know, we were running home games. Why stop? Like, would you, I know you've written posts about what you've learned mm-hmm. in business. If you can just give a little bit. I stopped for a couple of reasons. Um one, I had a poker coach at the time who didn't like how I was living. I was, you know, I was 24, 25, you know, going to Vegas all the time, drinking like drugs, the whole thing. Like it, there wasn't, there was no light at the end of the tunnel. So there was that. He really pushed me to do that. And the other thing was, I didn't identify with the people in the poker world. I wasn't like, I love playing cards, but man, there was like people that were, giving us their wedding rings for a marker, like their, the watch on their wrist for a marker. got to chill. That's actually, I mean, for people who don't know, I played poker in between, I picked up poker in between uh, when I graduated early from college and law school and I was playing a lot and I was getting really good. Like I'd mm-hmm. win tournaments. I think I placed final table in my first tournament and I won the next one. I'd go to Vegas and I was spending time because I could. And then I started hanging out in the casinos here. Now I... Now, of course, I'm like, oh, why was I hanging out at Hawaiian Gardens or Commerce? And, you know, that's not unsafe necessarily, but it, it was the point where the people I'm sitting around, first of all, at the time, I'm a 21-year-old girl, yeah. but I'm sitting around and I'm watching people who literally just got their paycheck and are showing up to gamble. Like, I didn't like that vibe. Yeah. So like that to me, we we're talking about money before this, and we'll get back to that conversation too. But like that to me doesn't feel good. Like that doesn't feel like a win. Like as much as I want to win and all of this stuff, like the overall energy of the place is like, this isn't my world. Yeah. You smell like cigarettes. Like, you know, you're like, your face is greasy because you just stayed up all night. Like cards are disgusting. Everything's gross. Yeah. I remember like the, the (laughs) The chips, the listener can't see, but like you probably did this. You shuffled your chips a lot and then the tips of your fingers would get dirty. (laughs) So that whole thing, I was just over it. You know, like I didn't want the lifestyle of, Actually, I take that back. I wanted the lifestyle of a poker player because nobody could tell me where to go, when to be, like this whole thing. That's I think that's where I got the entrepreneurial bug, so to speak. Um, 
but I didn't want to be, I didn't want it to be in poker. You know what I mean? I mean, it's the same thing. Like I want you to talk about what you've learned, but you have to be patient. You mm-hmm. have to be willing to grind. You have to be able to, wi- you have to be able to withstand hits. Like most of those guys, like the Phil Ivies of the world have been broke. Yeah. Like they've lost everything, yeah. but you need to be willing. You need to have the stomach to take that in order to win big. A hundred percent. And it's, there's a couple things. I think some key things that I've learned is obviously like, paying attention to people and anticipating what they're going to do based off of past actions. So pattern recognition, mm-hmm. right? So that obviously applies in marketing. So that was one thing that was really important. That's helped me a lot with sales as well. And, you know, managing people in general, because I have a team of people that I need to, that I manage. So that was one thing. And the other thing was one of my poker mentors at the time, his name's Paul, shout to Paul, if you ever listen to this, this will always stick with me. He just said, no matter whether or not you win or lose, it should all feel the same. And if it doesn't, you're doing something wrong. Oh. Because it's like... I like that. Yeah. You have to know that like you played 100%. You can't let the money aspect affect your decision making. And you can't get emotional about it. That's why I was better playing, at the time, playing tournaments over cash game. Mm. Because it was... uh, Oh, what's that saying that people say? Well, it's scared money don't make money. Yeah. And when I was playing cash game, I was very conscious of the fact that like I'm pulling this money out. This is the money I have. With a tournament, the money's gone. Right. So you got to play for your life. And that's where I play better. Yeah. Like when you're not thinking about that. Yeah. And now I think the one, you know, I've obviously learned to be able to take big risks. You know what I mean? Like putting it all in. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, even if you are a 70% favorite to win, guess what? That 30% where you're not going to win happens like time after time and after, <laughs> after time, like it for months. And then it evens out years down the road. Yeah. The thing that I'm really learning now is the patience of it. Um, you know, my coach also told me like my biggest problem when I was playing cards is I wanted to win every single chip on the table. And that's just not how it works when you're playing, playing cash games. I was playing cash games. I didn't play mm-hmm. tournaments. And he always told me poker is a lifelong game. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not about one session. One session does not define you. It's what you do your entire life with it. He totally Mr. Miyagi you. He did Mr. Miyagi me. And now while I'm doing like, while I'm, you know, growing blue light, I have to do that same thing. Like, do I want a big score just because it's a big score? Like, not really. Like, I, I don't want that. If I, if I don't feel like I can completely serve a client, you know what I mean? That sucks. I don't like I don't like that feeling. I, and I'll be honest, I put out a couple of those proposals because the the money was very uh, it was nice. But at the same time, in the back of my head, I'm, I, I know that like I probably subconsciously sabotaged it because in the back of my head, I'm like, that's not my exact thing. And I know that I can make this happen. But my team is good at this, which actually led me to kind of position our team differently for 2019. I do think the universe tests us in different ways, like mm-hmm. whether you, like not religious, whether you want to call it, I don't even think that's spiritual. I think there's energy sure. where, and I've talked to you about it because I debate those things sometimes where somebody came to me with a big offer or an opportunity or something where it just doesn't, didn't sit right. right. And it's like, I could take this money or I could take this deal, but there's something about, it, I'm like, this doesn't, it doesn't feel right. And I want to say, no, yeah. I'm doing gut check. Am I, even if I'm crazy, like it doesn't feel good. And then it always turns out that that's, there's a reason for it. It's either like a test to make sure that you're on the right path or to, you know, going forward into 2019 because I said yes to certain things that weren't great. Mm-hmm. I know for sure, like, this is a no. But it's also, it's also valuable. Yeah, man. Like, it doesn't do, like, if somebody is trying to start their thing, like, it doesn't do you any good to take a client 
that you oh can't service. Oh my gosh, service. no. Like, it's cool. But you have to learn that. You have to kiss... I was telling somebody the other day, you do have to kiss frogs in this business. Oh, yeah. Like whatever you do, like you're starting your own business, you need to know who you don't like and like who doesn't work with you. And it doesn't even have to be as a personal level, who you don't like to work with. I'll yeah. put it that way. Or who the industry, whatever. Yeah. yeah. But you need to feel that kind of that, that failure, that pain, like whatever it is, that negative energy. Mm-hmm. So you can guard against it. Yeah. And let me tell you, like we went, and you know this, the... Our friend, the listener, does not know this, but like when we started, it's like dental lab, college and supplement, restaurants, university, blah, blah, blah. Like it was all over the real estate, like, and all these things we're actually pretty good at. But like, you know, over time, I just kind of realized what we, I think we can do and do really, really, really well. And so, you know, we're focusing on that going into 2019. Well, what is that now? Um, consumer packaged goods with, mm-hmm. and with the focus on natural products. You know, we had such amazing success with NeoCell. We helped them get acquired twice, which is great, um, by Clorox, huge company. I think I can talk about that now. Um, you know, they even mentioned how their branding and marketing on social media was the thing that was one of their deciding factors. So I'm super proud of that. Natural Product Expo West and New Hope named NeoCell one of the top 15 brands killing it on social media. That's and awesome. we, yeah, we, Started that. When they started, it was horrendous. No offense, Shannon and Jess, if you ended up listening to this. But that's why they hired us. They know that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, and we got to, we did so much with it and we applied the same thing to a bunch of different brands under the Clorox umbrella. Um, what a lot of people don't know is Clorox has a lot of health and wellness or like natural product brands. Burt's Bees is, on, is owned by Clorox, right? So they have a lot of those brands. When they were acquired, I was scared that we were going to lose our I We were going through this together. I mm-hmm. remember telling you this. It's like, I thought we were going to lose the client because they would have taken care of it, but it was the opposite. We ended up taking, you know, three or four more of their brands on at the time. So that was awesome. And then we've helped a couple brands like start their social media um, and digital branding department essentially. And we're doing it again this year with a CBD company, which I'm really pumped on. And so after evaluating like, oh my gosh, we have so much experience here. Not only do we have the experience, but we know the right people. You know what I mean? to really make a huge impact by niching down. And like, I'm not going to say no, you know, like we have a proposal out with a liquor company that I really want to work with. It's like, you know, that's why I say like natural products, emphasis on that and natural products. But it's, it's products that you guys find interesting and you're also at a size, I mean, obviously you run this company, mm-hmm. but you're at a size where you can be nimble and take things on we're going to talk about culture too. Sure. Take things on that are fun for not only you, because I don't know how involved you actually are in the in the day-to-day of actual content creation anymore, sure. probably not at all, but you also know what would be fun for the people who work with you. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually such a big thing. And you know, Carly, obviously, yeah. uh, to the listener, Carly is like my, she's, she's like- She's your my, number two. She's my number well, two. Well, Nelson, but- Nelson, yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, when it comes to- when it comes to really like handling clients and stuff, because Carly and I are really on the forefront of that, like she just understands it. So when we were getting these proposals in, she'll look at me sometime, or when I'm sending them out, she'll look at me and she's be like, who's going to take that client? I'm like, I'll figure it out. Like, But you know, I tell her, it's like, look, there's a certain part where it's not going to be the most fun client. But I do think of that now when I'm starting to prospect for starting to prospect is like, am I going to have fun with this brand? Do I understand this brand? Like, you know, is my team going to love this brand? Am I going to be proud to put it on our wall? Like the, this whole thing, you know what I mean? So the more I can do that, I think the better for everybody. We'll be excited about it. We'll do better work because we're excited about it, you know? Yeah, because 
and I was talking about this on with my interview with Mason, I think when you're working specifically for a personal brand on personal brand content, Mm -hmm. I actually think it's the same with business. You can feel when the person who's helping you make content is not fully into it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, nobody's ever going to love your business as much as you care and love your business. But you want clients who you want to care about their business. You want mm-hmm. to care about them. And you that's going to translate to your team. That's going to translate to all of the work. Right. So you do need that. A hundred percent. It's for us, it's twofold. One is like, you know, do we believe in the product itself? Like if it's, yeah, I don't know, if it was some elixir that helps. Well, you, you can't think market better. shit. So yeah, no. I mean, you can. No, you can you get can. into that. <laughs> you can for a little bit. <laughs> and then people term. find out. Exactly. Um, but you know, there's we we have to believe in the well. I mean, even internally, we have to just believe in the product. Like um, Blue Ice Vodka was one where we actually really loved the vodka. Like I love the vodka. Um, however, like if you know some flavored weird you know peppermint schnapps thing wanted, to, like I'm not pumped on that. Um, <laughs> so I think the product itself is important, but also either the founders of the product and what they're about, or at least our direct contact. We're obviously working with Clorox now. It's like, you know, we don't talk to the owner. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, t- we, have a, we do have a great project manager that we work with over there. So that's, that's amazing because it makes life so much easier. But yeah, we have to be able to get behind the people that started it. Because even then, it's like you're fighting for that person. You know what I mean? You want to make it happen for them because they care about their product and you know, that whole thing. Can you talk to me a little bit about your transition from the $600 uh, <laughs> project to actually scaling out, hiring people and building an agency? Sure. Damn. I know there's a lot. Yeah, there, there's a lot. So when I first started, we had three packages and this is kind of interesting. Um, we it was had just th- you, right? It was just- Or was this uh, your older company? Yeah, it was my older company. Okay. I, I had a business partner at the time and uh, he was still working full time. And uh, I was kind of led to run the whole the thing or whatever. Um, so we, I had a little bit of help, but you know, when it came to the sales, the strat- the whole thing I was just doing- It was that. on you. Yeah. Anyway, so we had three packages and I believe they were- $500 a month, $700 a month, and $1,000 a month. And that was for social media stuff. The one that was $1,000 a month, I don't really remember the five and seven anymore, but the one that was $1,000 a month, like it had $100 worth of ad spend in it and like two blog posts, that sort of thing. And I had it there. I had never really written a I was going to say, had you, had you ever done an ad spend at that point? Uh, yes. I actually, before all of that, like I actually took on a bunch of free clients and I spent my own money to test their ads. And they even said like, why aren't you just doing it with like our money? I was like, because I don't know what I'm doing. Like I would tell them, I don't know what's going to happen. My benefit from this is I'm learning and yours is that you're getting this marketing for free. So you did start free. You started with free work initially. Less than free. I paid. (laughs) You were in the red. Yeah. I, I paid to, um, I paid to work with them because, you know, I was, I was doing the ads and everything. Um, so yeah, so there was that. And Facebook ads was so different back then too. Like it was like you could boost a post on your personal page. I don't know if you remember this. You know, I, re- I mean, then it started a lot more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's crazy. You can't do that anymore. So, anyways, what I did was I had there was some things I hadn't executed on personally myself, and like there was two blog posts. I hadn't really written a blog or anything like that. I mean, I know how to write, but I hadn't really written a blog. But what I always ended up doing and what I still do to this day is like reverse networking is what I like to call it. And it's understanding that Brittany is really 
really good at personal branding, brand positioning, uh, LinkedIn, da, 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 da. So I know, I now have Brittany in my Rolodex. And if a client says to me like, oh, we need this too. It's like, I know exactly who to go to for that. And then it's kind of under this umbrella of it passing through me type of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you've actually kind of experienced how mm-hmm. this almost happened a couple of times with us. And so that's what I prepared myself with when I was offering these products that I didn't, you know, have like big case studies on. You knew that you could refer Mm -hmm. or find somebody to fill that need. I knew that I had the person because I had built a relationship with them, whatever it might be. And then actually like being able to get that first one, it was just a lot of trial and error. I think the the biggest package I had at the time was $700 a month because that's what I had outlined and proposed. And I had that structure there. But then somebody else asked us to do work. It was actually a, a dental lab of all things. And that was the first big jump from like under a thousand dollars. And I literally just gave a number that I felt comfortable with. And it was $2,500 a month. And once they said, yes, I realized that there are people that will pay this. Cause I was, when I started, I was like, yo, I don't think anybody's going to pay a thousand dollars a month. That's crazy. You know what I mean? Like it's so nuts. And then I was just like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot because at that time it had been like eight or nine months I had been doing this. And I was like, this takes a lot of time. I need to be able to grow this. And then I thought to myself, this, these blogs are costing me $125 per blog, not to mention the $600 that like, you know, the $600 that I'm going to use for the photographer, blah, 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 not to mention this. And then I need to make like a margin on it. So I just went with 50%, not really knowing that that was standard. And like, and it just ended up working out. You know what I mean? You learned everything on the fly. It's not like you worked at an agency and then took that information. I had no clue. Like I'm actually still actively seeking out other agencies that I can learn from, but nobody's like, nobody really puts out the content the same way that I do. And now it's just like, well, here's how I do it. I've done it this far. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything I learned on the fly. What's the next iteration that you'd like to learn to take your agency to that next level? Um, I would, the iteration that I'm, that I am learning right now is the infrastructure that I need to have to, you know, potentially sell the business. So, you know, whether that's operational, the types of clients, that's a lot of the reason why I'm niching down as well too, um, is because I would like to sell this off in, you know, five, seven years, how maybe sooner if the price is right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and just do something different. And it's not that I don't love what I'm doing. I do love what I'm doing, but I realized that I love the people I'm doing it with more than I love what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I would love to start a company with Nelson, with Carly, with like the whole people, because now I know that I could start a product of some sort and I have Nelson to create all the content. I have Carly to do all the, you know, the design and branding and whatever, and the influencer marketing. I had me for the strategy and like making sure that there's always money in there and the whole thing. Like, I have the team to really like launch a lot of different things. You know what I mean? So, and I mean, that's fascinating. And I remember giving you the advice early on about ride or dies. It's essential. Mm-hmm. Like now, as I'm starting to hire people and build it out, I keep that in mind. I know nobody will love, I know nobody will love my business as much as I do, but I also know that I can probably get close and give them what they want in the role that suits them best. So they do feel part of it. Like even if I didn't have, you know, you can obviously give equity and then people care, yeah. but they you, actually still won't care as much yeah. as you do, by the way, yeah. listener. I think that that's true. Mm-hmm. Actually. It's a hundred percent true. If it's cause it's, it's not something that they started. You know what I'm saying? There is a difference. And now after, I guess this past 
not even year, I can even say like six months, three months since I built like a product on its own. I know I've never felt that feeling before. Yeah. Like even like in any capacity, even just consulting, even though that was my business, the creation of something, mm-hmm. it feels next level, which I understand now is why it's such a high for people. Yeah. I can't explain it to anybody. It's kind of, it is crazy. It's it is like they say it's your baby, it's your child. Yeah. It's actually absolutely true. I mean, well, and both, it's not easy. We don't have kids, but no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's as close as you can get to having but, a child okay. without having. A child. First of all, <laughs> I, I, you know, Nelson's Nelson's older than me. Oh, he has kids. He can. He has kids. <laughs> but I feel like if I was going to get any training for raising a family, it would definitely be this right now. Oh, totally. You know what I mean? Like I have to make sure that. Well, you put them that, that there's I know. clients on the table, you know what I mean? So you do. You care a lot about them, but I think that has to go that goes with hiring. So I do want to talk because you do have such a core group of solid, good people. I love them all. Everyone I've met, you attract great people. How did you find these people and the skill sets? <laughs> um, <laughs> so Nelson and I, we met so Nelson to the listeners, my co-founder of Blue Light Media. Um and we met through the old company, through my partner at the time. He and I hit it off. I mean, for one, we were, we were both into music. We were both into boxing. Like, and I remember the old days, like shit, like it was just him and me that were working on the clients and we would like Google Hangout or whatever. We weren't even talking. It was just like, we were, it was like our virtual office together. Um, so I met him through my old business partner. And he was supposed to be a business uh, partner in the last one too, and it never happened. So I wanted to make sure that that happened in this one, obviously. Um, and so did he, you know. So um, so that's how I met Nelson. Hannah, I met on Twitter, and that was the copywriter that I was talking about. I had built a relationship with her um, via direct messages and whatever, just asking about her rates and looking at her work, and then just kind of like engaging like a normal human being, you know what I mean? Not weird. But I met her on Twitter, and then I hired her from there. Um, first project. And then after that, you know, when she moved out here, we hired her full time. Carly is the interesting one. I we <laughs> interviewed six or seven people or something like that uh, at the old company. And um, at my first company, I'll, I'll call it that at my first company. And she was last on my list. I was like, no, there's no way. I mean, she was sick when she came to the interview. I, I mean, she tells me now that she had a fucking attitude that day because she was just like super sick or whatever it was, but she was last on my list. That's it. But what happened was we had called two or three people that didn't pick up the phone and we needed somebody to start the next day, the, like the next week. And she picked up the phone. And so we were like, yeah. And then the other ones called back. And then, you know, luckily my partner at the time stuck to his word and was just like, we actually just gave the position away. Sorry, like whatever. And it, dude, from like the first two weeks she was there, it was just on fire. I was like, I'm an idiot. I mean, it's so funny to hear having the context that I have yeah. for you and Carly and how you, I know you feel about her and yeah. how you guys work together. It's so crazy that it, that 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 connection didn't happen instantaneously. Yeah, no, she's one of my best friends now. I mean, she's, I guess she's maybe a little bit shy on the upfront. So maybe that's where that was. And I was in the position of, Power at the time. What up? I hate these things. CEO, president, whatever. So I could understand why she wasn't like a hundred in that spot. Um, Sophia, that we Sophia is. Uh, she started. She hit me up on Instagram. Actually, I think I had automation running and it like tapped on like the location she was on, and then she started following me and liked the content that I was putting out because it was all positive stuff. And then she ended up doing a school project on me at the time, which was weird. And then she interned for me. 
And then now she works with us and she's, you know, part of the family and probably the, definitely the best dressed person at Blue Light, (laughs) Uh, followed very closely by Tim, who I've known for 25-ish years. And he hit me up. He saw what we were doing. Um, He offered to take like a month or two of just learning and interning with us. And then it turned into him working with us uh, on business development. And that was just, you know, we've been friends for a long time, but not that we grew apart, but like we just had different circles of friends. You grow up after like 25 years. Um, But now it's great to be working with him. He's just good energy. And then Sarah, who is the controller, you know, I, she actually inspired me to start my first business because when I moved in with her, she was a roommate of mine. When I moved in with her, she had an interior design business and she was working as, as a bartender and she was also working somewhere else. And I just saw her hustle and I like, I was like, I want my own business. And she's like, oh, well, and then I just did it. So I blame her for all of this anxiety. Uh, but now, but she's so organized. Like she color codes, like she color codes her Tupperware. So of course she's handling the books. Like, you know, and she, and she, and she has, you know, she checks me enough and I respect her enough. And I think that's really important when you're hiring somebody or like co-founding, whatever you, you need to respect that person's opinion. I respect her enough to where I actually listen to what she says. Um, but she also respects me enough to like, not tell me what to do because like, she understands like, you know, frankly, it's like, I'm still in charge. I'm going to do what I want to do, but I hear her out and I take a lot of her stuff into, into consideration. Yeah, and I've and I've executed on her suggestions as well. Same thing with Nelson too. Like I actually respect him because he puts in the work and like you know, and he and he allows me to do the things that I need to do and what I think are right without any question, really. I guess what are your plans now in terms of growing, or is mm-hmm. it is this where you need to figure out what it takes to sell it in case? Like, I guess, are you thinking of growth in terms of selling or are you thinking of hiring in terms of straight need based on clients for now? Um, actually, kind of both. What's great is the because we were, we've been able to get a good fee from our clients now, um, and I think that clients are understanding how valuable it is. So we don't get as much budge as we used to. Before it was like $1,000 a month, you're crazy. I was just going to ask yeah. you, that was going to be literally my next question. Are clients more savvy right now? And are clients also, what's the expectation when a client comes to you in terms of growth? Like what do they expect from social media now? It's interesting. That's a good question. Um, it depends on what we're selling, obviously. There are some clients that, that understand that Social media is very top of funnel and mm-hmm. branding. You know what I mean? Um, it's awareness. It is a lot of awareness. I mean, obviously, yes, you can you can definitely get a return on your ad spend with on different e-commerce platforms, but that it takes time. So we're not we've also like adjusted who we're working with. Before it was small businesses who need to make something happen in a month. You know, and we're still working with small businesses, uh, but like it was local businesses that needed to make something happen a month. Now it's like we're dealing with this big, these big corporations where some of their KPIs are just the cheapest traffic possible. You know what I mean? Some of their KPIs are like just yeah, just get in front of as many eyeballs as possible yes, for a cent. Exactly. You know what I mean? So that's really helpful. They're definitely more savvy, which is great. <clears throat> but before, but you know, now I'm super blessed, and I don't want to jinx it. But it's just like now is like. All right. So what what have you had? What did you have budgeted for marketing in 2019? Um, um, I don't know. I haven't really thought that far. It's like, bro, you're a business owner. You know, like I'm just trying to figure out what I'm trying to do for you, but whatever. So it went from that. And now there's some of these conversations where they're like, we have $250,000 budgeted for for this in 2019. It's like, great. That's awesome. Now I can actually tell you 
what I can do for you. If you tell me that, I don't know, like I'm shooting in the dark and I'm just like, well, how much does it cost? It's like, how much do I want it to cost or how much does it cost? Like, I don't know. But at that budget, what they do want is cheap eyeballs. Like they're not asking you, uh, are, they, are they asking you for an influencer campaign? Yeah, sometimes it is an influencer campaign. Um, let me think of one specifically. One specifically, like they're, you know, they want to make sure that all of their inbound inquiries and questions that are coming in are answered. So community management is the big one for them. You know what I mean? They understand that it is very much a communication platform. And in my opinion, since it's a little bit more difficult to get 100,000 followers, I don't even think brands care about that anymore. To be honest, I think they're more concerned that their image looks good, that the messaging is good, you know what I mean? And that it is used as a communication platform and more of like an internal, like repeat customer marketing thing than it is like 100,000 followers and a blue check mark. Well, that, I mean, that blows my mind because that's how, where they should be. Their head should be in the, especially the customer service. The worst is when you have a negative experience with a company, any, any kind of brand mm-hmm. and you reach out and they have no clue what's going on. You don't get served. You don't get help. It's just agitating. And it feels like there's no structure there. And it's like, I don't even want to deal with a company, even if I liked whatever the product was, but something went wrong. If they can't handle that, like that, even in my head, I'm like, those people aren't going to be in business much longer if that's the case. Yeah. And I think, and to answer your question about the cheap eyeballs, the bigger brands, yes, I think that's their biggest thing is they want to see that they want to see that the traffic is targeted, you know, but it's not, it's not super crazy. You know, it's not like they're looking to make $10 on every dollar they spend or something like that. We'll get that every so often, but for the most part, it's a branding play. And those are the people that we want to work with. And in fact, the reports that come back, you would think that it's like, what is our conversion rate? You know what I mean? What's our click-through rate? Da, 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 da. It's like, dude, they're still actually counting CPM and they're still like, that's, like that's the thing. And they are looking for maybe ad recall, share of voice, those types of things. Like they want to get the biggest share of voice possible for the amount of money that they're spending. But, you know, it's not like hard conversions or anything like that. Do you find it at all less fulfilling to be working with a large business or a large corporation versus small business owners? Yeah. Um, it takes the fun out of it. I love starting things, I realized. And that's why, you know, it was one of the things that I kind of wanted to focus on in this year was working on startup brands, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of these brands, especially in natural products, they have tons of funding. You know what I mean? Like, one it's of the, a hot space right now. Yeah, exactly. Like, the one of the companies that we we're working with was funded $3 million on an idea, on an idea. And, you know, the bad news is it's, $3 million broken up into $600,000, like over, you know, <laughs> you know, $600,000 increments. But it's like, they're getting a lot of money to do this and they need somebody like us to start everything. And I'm not just saying start like on the branding aspect, but it's like, we need somebody to set up our email service provider and the website properly and this, and make sure that everything's functioning and making sure Google Analytics is this. And our Facebook ads account is this. It's like, yo, I'm your dude. You know what I mean? Because I had to do it for myself. Now I just do the same thing that I did for myself, but, you know, for these companies that, you know, pay us to do it. And then the cool part after that is we get to handle the marketing afterward. So that's it for part one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Join me next week for part two where Mikhail and I continue our conversation. Yeah.